Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I belong, I belong to you. On the channel, we've got podcast interviews and content on all sorts of subjects. Mental health, football, films, MMA and boxing, conspiracy theories, and a whole lot more. And today, we are doing our first show on cricket. I've uh, been looking to do a show on cricket for ages. And uh, it was just a case of finding the right people to talk to about it. And uh, joining me to have a little chat about uh, the upcoming West Indies in England uh, series, as well as uh, some other bits and pieces. I have former Glamorgan player, Nyron Norman. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Good. Thanks, yourself? All good, mate. All good, especially after that little house version of uh, Test Mass. Test yeah, I enjoyed that. So, I haven't heard that for a while. I didn't want it to end. But, yeah. uh, and then joining us as well, we have West Indian batsman, Mr. Kieran Powell. How are you, my friend? I'm all right. How are you? All good, mate. I, um, that, I was like, I'm pretty sure. I might get a copyright strike for that theme tune, so I might have to take it off eventually. But <laughs> I just I had to put it in. And yeah. Then, so I thought, well, if I put the remix over it, maybe maybe I'll get away with it. But uh, we'll see when when I put it up on YouTube. I might have to mute it. But there we go. So um, yeah, we're going to talk a bit about a bit of cricket, a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of baseball, Kieran as well, which I'm quite looking forward to. I'm quite interested to hear that story, and um. Before we do that, we'll do what I like to do with all my guests, really, is uh, I do like quick, quick fire questions so people, if they're not familiar with you, they can just get a, a feel for your interests and views. So um, seven questions, you just got to say the first thing which comes to mind. 
Um, so what I would do, because there's two of you, I will, I'll ask the question, and then if, Nye, if you answer first, and then Kieran, you answer second, and then we'll just go through the seven, and then we'll go from there. Okay, quick fire questions with Nye Norman, Kieran Powell. Let's go. Uh, Viv Richards or Brian Lara? Brian Lara. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cop-out if ever I've seen that. <laughs> Let you off. Um, Kirtley Ambrose or Courtney Walsh? Kirtley Ambrose. Ambrose. Got to agree with that. Uh, ben Stokes or Ian Botham? Oof. Ian Botham. Purely Ben Stokes, modern game. Fair enough. This is this is the hardest one, I think, of all of them. Joss Butler or Adam Gilchrist? Mm, Going to say Joss because he's a friend, so Joss. Adam Gilchrist, not even sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best coaching cricket? Mark Davis. I'll second that, Mark Davis. Go. And uh, best roommate? Ooh. Hmm. I'd say Chris Ashlin at Glamorgan for me. Ah, uh, I'd go with Jeremiah Louis from the Leeward Islands. Okay. And uh, the worst trainer you've ever uh, been in a team with? I wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Mark Cosgrove. Ooh, when people under the <laughs> Um, I think let's just put myself in the episode. Yeah. And uh, last question: best TV show of all time. Only fools and horses. Two and a half men. Good shouts by both. So that's the quick fire questions out the way. So now we're going to talk a bit of bit of cricket. Is there? There's not like a load of uh, of cricket news going on at the moment where everything's been on hold. But um, there was some a uh, little bit of news which dropped earlier, which was that um, three Pakistan players tested positive for the coronavirus, which it's quite interesting because obviously cricket's about to start back up following the break. Um, and I guess, like, Kieran, the other thing as well is um, I think it was, was it three West Indies players who chose not to go uh, on the tour of England? Yeah. Like, do you think it's a, like a genuine worry for cricketers and sportsmen as, uh, as everything starts back up now? I mean, everyone has different concerns. Um, obviously, the health concerns, the family concerns in terms of there's not much corona in the Caribbean currently. Um, so when you do come back from a place like England, you don't know what the government's going to ask you to do in different islands in terms of restrictions before you're allowed to see friends and your family having been over the soul already. And so many different concerns that plays you have to you have to just take it as an individual case per person and I don't think that wants to really be upset with anyone for 
pulling out in especially unprecedented times like this. Yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? No one really knows kind of uh, you know, no one's no one's used to dealing with this sort of situation. So it's kind of almost making it up as you go along. And everyone's individual circumstances are different and they, you know, so what one person is concerned with another person maybe isn't so concerned with if you're caring for someone or you've got a baby in the house or whatever it may be it's going to be it's going to be different isn't it for each person um what about you Nye? do you think like it's going to be weird with no fans isn't it that's the like the main difference i suppose from a from a viewing perspective but i was surprised that they um like football started up now a few weeks back, really, even a month ago in Germany, where it's a full, you know, it's a proper contact sport. They're all over each other at things like corners and stuff. And then you've got cricket, which is completely non-contact, and they've waited this long to get it going. It seems strange, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, how they can allow some of the marking that goes on at corners, like you just said, is is, is basically like rugby. So. If they're going to allow that, I mean, apart from saliva on the ball thing, which is obviously quite a topical conversation, there is no real physical contact in cricket. Obviously, you high five and you get a wicket, but that's pretty easy to stop. Um, if, if the government allow things like football to go on behind closed doors, then I don't see why there can't be a reason for cricket to go on behind closed doors. Um, the health issue, yeah, as Kieran said, obviously there isn't a lot of coronavirus in the Caribbean. So for those guys who are touring to come to go back to the Caribbean, that's obviously quite a concern for them, their families, for their loved ones. Um, but I mean, in terms of the English lads, it's great for them. They get to play, carry on playing cricket. Apart from the crowds, that's per normal, really. Yeah, and I think. Like I would, I would assume at least most professional sportsmen they want to get back into it, don't they? You know, they yeah. want to get playing whatever their sport is, just to guess, get some form of normality. So the other thing, I guess, which can kind of I've talked about this a lot on the football show, is when there's still um, like hundreds in the UK, at least there's still hundreds of people dying each day from coronavirus. Um, and in parts of Europe, obviously, it's higher than that in America and stuff. Is like really, does professional sport matter in the grand scheme of things? And I guess there's two ways of looking at it. You know, on the one side, you've got, well, yeah, it's good to get that normality back. But then on the other side, people are dying. So is it important? What, um, what's your, where do you stand on it, Kieran, in terms of balancing the two? Um, I think it's different in different parts of the world. Um, places like the UK, the US, um, uh, places like Pakistan and India, where cases are still relatively high. Um, uh, it's a different perspective where you have to look after the national care system. Um, I think in, in the Caribbean, or something similar to what Dino White has done in the UFC, where you've got remote problems people to come in and, and start playing sport, it's a bit more feasible. Um, the cases are a bit lower, and you can manage people coming in from out of problems, similar to what the NBA is trying to do. Um, so it just all depends on the region of the world you're in. 
and, and the amount of cases, as you said, I think in, in places like the UK where hundreds of people still die, um, I'm not so sure that is necessarily the first thing on anyone's mind. Um, whereas in the Caribbean, where these countries of barren flights and hotels have gone back to a normal way of living, um, this is probably a bit more feasible at the moment. So in the Caribbean, so like, so obviously in the UK for the last 12, 13 weeks, it's been pretty much uh, lockdown, very limited on where you can go and what you can do. Is that the same in the Caribbean or has it been pretty much as normal? No, initially, I think for a two, two and a half months, it was pretty much the same. Um, over the past two weeks, you can see, um, curfews have been pretty much put back to midnight to five o'clock in the morning. Um, most businesses, bars, restaurants, everything are fully operational again. Um, it's, I think the sports are going to start to probably allow sports, and they've actually had meetings in St. Kitts and Nevis to discuss the opening of hotels and borders and stuff. Um, a few other communities have opened borders. This is like and these islands that are closed are expected to open within the next few weeks. So uh, it's pretty much back to normal. Obviously, everyone still has to play their part and do social distancing, wear your mask. You know, try and protect yourself and don't wait for the, the system or the country to protect you by getting ill. Um, so you have to be in that sense. But uh, I think it's a lot easier to manage as well than have countries with just a few thousand people as opposed to the UK with a few million people. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, personally, I'd like to see, for the time being, it be compulsory for people to wear masks in shops and out in public. But that is slightly different for me in that because of my own health issues, I got I'm quite high risk for it. So like my kids and my wife and that, if they got to go anywhere, they'll wear a mask and stuff, which I understand is not you know everyone's not in that same situation. But I think for the time being, there's no harm in asking people to wear masks. What do you reckon, uh, Nike? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my missus works for the NHS, so every day really she's wound up today. AP. It's not that I throw a mask on. It's a bit uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, people so that's the most important thing uh, during the pandemic, really. Chuck a mask on. Those needs to be to protect people. Right? Yes, there weren't. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to West Indies and England's upcoming series in just a second. Um, there's a couple of other little things I was going to talk to you guys about. Yeah, so you, uh, Michael Carberry did an, uh, an interview, I think it was with The Sun, um, just basically saying that racism is rife within, the, within cricket, within the sport, from the, the village level up to professional, international level. The lack of uh, black coaches, was he pointed to that, um, and a few other points as well. Um, unfortunately, the interview which I saw was with The Sun, which means I was really begrudging. <laughs> Uh, reading it, but uh, but he did it with the the Cricket Badger podcast. I haven't heard of that one, but I might um, I might have a listen because it's it's a really important subject. Um, so Nye, what's what's your views on it, mate? Because obviously you know you've played cricket from from in the UK from village level all the way up to you know to professional level. Uh, yeah, I mean 
he's definitely got a point. Uh, have I experienced racism? No, uh, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, his his argument and issue is 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 factually and statistically correct. Um, the fact that there's only five black professional cricketers in Britain uh, amazes me, uh, and the fact that I think in the last three or four years there have been one or two. Uh, international black coaches and no black coaches in the professional game in in Britain is astounding, really. Yeah, um, well, we were just talking just um, just before we started recording, mate, and um, like you had Otis Gibson was um, is like was one of the black coaches, and then outside of that, there's a massive lack of black coaches in in within cricket, and that's a problem. At the end of the day, when you think of not just cricket but any sport. Um, they're made up of, particularly in the UK, you know, you look at football, you look at cricket, you look at athletics, you look at rugby. Um, the black community makes up a massive, massive portion of that, those professional athletes. But yet, when it comes to coaching, managing in football, there's suddenly a, there, there's a lack of coaches and top managers. Why do you think that is? I think people are scared. I think people are scared to give... Uh, black people, black coaches, an opportunity. Um, I think they, there has to be a systemic form of racism in that. Um, and that's not me saying that all owners of football clubs or cricket clubs are racist, far from it. But there has to be. Otherwise, you look at the likes of Sol Campbell, uh, John Barnes is a great example. You know, th- these two are, were quality football players for their country and they can't get goes at established clubs. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I know like people will straight away they will go. Well, Paul Ince was, um, you know, Paul Ince got given a chance in the, in the Premier League and he didn't do very well. But it's like uh, one one person having an opportunity doesn't negate from the fact that there's numerous other uh, play- coaches of all ethnicities or all non-white ethnicities who aren't getting a chance at the top of professional sport. And like you say, it's got to come down to some form of systemic racism. Um, and my, maybe at some, you know, within some, uh, some clubs, some, some places, some uh, governing bodies, maybe it's, you know, it's, uh, what's the word? It's, it's not even, I can't think of the word, but it's, it's like it's almost subliminal. Maybe it's not like, a, you know, they, where they, it's, they're thinking we don't want to give black people or black coaches, managers, the opportunity, but they've, it's been like that for so long that they are scared to take that risk. I don't know. It's, I think it's got to change massively. Um, Kieran, what about you, mate? What do you, what do you uh, think on this? Obviously, have you, uh, here's a question for you then. Have you, um, have you ever sort of experienced racism towards yourself? Uh, not not in cricket, but I have, um, unfortunately, at our school, Millfield, the school that me and Noi went to, um, there was this one guy that um, made some racist remarks to me. Um, fortunately enough for me, um, the captain of the school cricket team was also one of the um, leading rugby players. So he got the, the rugby team together and let's say that guy never mm-hmm. said anything else to me. Um, and then there's another... There's another um, instance when I was playing baseball out in the US um, my wife and I were at a Macy's store in Newport in California and 
we were coming out of this store. I think um, for whatever reason, there's an emergency closing of the store, but the usual entrances were closed off. Um, so we had to come back to the main entrance of the store and be directed by a manager to um, a different exit. And uh, so we we're just asking this, uh, you know, where's, where should we exit now? And then he just said over there. And then he was like, oh, we walked off and he's like, yeah, nigga. I was like, look, I took, I took like maybe 10 steps and then I stood up. And then my wife, she looked at me and she's like, did you just hear what I heard? I was like, what did you hear? And then she said it. And I was like, I didn't think that's what I heard, but clearly that's like, crazy. you know, and then, um, you know, we actually, we went back, we went back to the guy and he's like, did you actually just, did you just say that? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I'd never, I was like, we've got like a million cameras, you know, like we could zoom in and yeah. audio. Like this. Mm. this is the advanced world. And I think that's, that's the situation with racism now. It's nothing new to black people. Or it's, it's nothing new that's been happening, but it's the advent and the advancement of cameras now that's now capturing all the different elements of racism within the world and bringing light on it. And as Noi rightfully said, it's, it's people that are insecure and that are scared and are afraid to give um, black people or people of color opportunities um, for, whatever, for whatever reasons that are the ones clinging on to the, the, powers, um, the, the powers of privilege that, that haven't been given across the board to everyone. So it's not a fair start, but you know, I think obviously this, this last incident with the George Floyd situation in the US has really seemed to spark a massive change in terms of um, the global view of things. You know, there are a lot more people trying to educate themselves now and, and it's, it is hopefully a step towards equality. Yeah, you'd like to think so. I mean, unfortunately, as, as all the good work and all the, like you say, people trying to educate themselves and talk about, you know, this type of subject, for every person you have trying to do it like that, you also have the idiots and i mean you probably get it you you probably see more of it and just because you've got so many followers on the twitter but i mean the last couple of weeks when i've gone on twitter i've it's a cesspool of just people just arguing constantly and like someone will put something positive up about maybe black lives matters or, or you know just something positive and underneath it, you'll get 10 people going, all lives matter or white lives matter or something ridiculous. And it's like, that's not the point. This, it's not about um, all lives matters or black lives matters. It isn't about white lives don't matter. It's about at this moment, uh, we need to educate police forces in, in America and we need to educate people that black teenagers or black people or people of color are even though it's 2020 and you think like so say me and I don't experience the same other people do but it's about educating people that it's still happening and it's still going on it's like it's I find it infuriating because it's you know it's 2020 like are we not better than this now are we as a as a human race not past racism but unfortunately there's still uh there's still people who uh not only are racist but they are they're brave enough or i don't even want to use the word brave but they're brazen enough 
to broadcast it on social media platforms. You know, they've got no shame in there in saying it. Um, so sort of going back to the cricket side of it, Nye, what do you think is the way to make sure that the, you know, we do have a positive change in making sure that there's more uh, black coaches or coaches of colour within the game and at the top of the game as well? I, uh, only speaking from this country, I mean, I think more needs to be done to play cricket in the areas where there are more ethnicities. So into cities, uh, <clears throat> places like Bradford, which are vastly Asian populations. You know, you look at Abdul Rashid, Moen Ali, these guys came from communities like that. So clearly there are cricketers out there that are in these communities. It's just a question of going in there, educating them on cricket or sports and the great game that is cricket. I mean, you can, it's a great sport. You can go all around the world playing it. So if, if the government or the ECB or local communities, whatever it may be, can do that, then I think that will then have a knock-on effect to these guys going on to play age group cricket, academy cricket, second team, first team, maybe international, and then who knows from there, really. Yeah, and I think the other thing as well is this, Kieran mentioned something uh, towards the start of the show about uh, the expense of cricket. Cricket is it's quite expensive, you know, with equipment and uh, everything else and fees and that. If, uh, for people, if they are struggling with money and their kids want to play cricket, it can be quite an expensive uh, outtake, you know, for a year's cricket with the equipment and stuff. So it's about making maybe finding ways to make equipment uh, available at a you know an affordable price, um, and also or, or even making sure that clubs have got enough kit and equipment to provide those kids when they first start, because of I think often. So I got three kids. My youngest is eleven, and then there's a couple of ki- couple of kids his age where they wanted to start playing cricket. They went for the first time or, or the first few times. They just wanted to try it out, and they really enjoyed it. But then after those first few times, they kind of asked the coaches, "Or oh, you know, how much does it cost?" They gave the parents, you know, the fees and the, and then told them, you know, you've got to get your kit from here and there. And they were scared off. So you've lost yeah. these two brothers from playing cricket who really wanted to play because just of cost. So I think that's another aspect of it, you know, at a, at a kid's level. Um, okay, so, you know, we could talk about this subject for, for hours and hours. It's such a, an important subject. And I'm sure we will, uh, we will revisit it at a later date. Um, but let's move on to the 100. Um, so... The hundred's been moved to 2021. It's got all sorts of uh, different uh, rules and uh, aspects to it. The basic format, 100 balls per innings, change of ends after 10 balls. Uh, Bowler can deliver either five or 10 consecutive balls. Each bowler can deliver a maximum of 20 balls per game. uh, You can have a strategic timeout of up to two and a half minutes. There's a 25 ball power play. Two fielders are permitted outside the 30-yard circle in the power play. Um, it's an interesting concept. Kieran, um, what, what do you think of the 100 as a concept, first of all? And also, uh, would you fancy playing in it? Well, I think it's an it's a interesting concept. It's not too dissimilar from T20. It's just 20 balls less. So um, it's not too much to wrap your head around as a player. Um, 
I think it's going to be interesting educating the fans as to the big difference between the 100 and a T20 match. Um, but ultimately, people just want to be entertained. So I'm, I'm, not, sh- I'm not sure that it's going to be a hard sell for viewers around the world. No. Um, what I want to play in it, 100%. The types of um, players um, and the atmosphere that's going to be around the 100. Um, I could see other countries quickly just, you know, coming up with a 100-ball tournament of their own once it goes well within the UK. Obviously, the first couple of years, you know, um, similar to how T20 started in the UK and then branched off to various different parts of the world as well. Um, so I think T10 as well will play a massive part in the future of cricket. So there's going to be lots of different variations of the game um, and you just have to embrace the evolution of the game. Yeah, for sure. And I think it won't be long before we get uh, 100 international teams. I don't think, that's just my opinion. Like, But I think that probably five years we'll probably see the in, you know, uh, World Cup 100 games. I, I don't see why not. Um, do you think neither we'll see more um, more players who only play certain um, you know certain forms of the game, particularly at international level, um, even more so than we already do with the hundred coming in? Yeah, in- inevitably you will, um, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, I do agree with the thinking that. Test cricket is the pinnacle because it is just that. It's a test. Um, And the best players in the world will always be remembered for what they did in test cricket. That's not to say that what they've done in one-day cricket or 2020 or 100 is forgotten. But ultimately, test cricket is the pinnacle as to where the best players want to be at. However, certain cricketers, body injuries, um, maybe aren't comfortable with the red ball they can now have careers in the white ball game. And if there's more formats, one day cricket, limited overs, and they can do that, I'm, I'm all for that. And I think you will see more people specialising in, in, in 20 over, 100 over, five years' time. Yeah, 100%. Mate. I think, he, um, like, I, I'm i a traditionalist. You know, I'm a bit older than you and I. And, um, like, you know, I used to play cricket, like, you know, with your dad and stuff and... I used to love it, um, but I was always, I always viewed it for me personally as like you had the, well, before the, tw- so old I am, there was no 2020 when I was, uh, when I was younger, uh, international level at least. So I always viewed it as like T20, 50 overs, and then the test is like the, you know, the top, very top of the game. Now, obviously, back in the day, England used to play the same team for each one, maybe with one or two differences. And it was only when they started to play T20 specific players or 50 over specific players that their one day fortunes changed. Uh, and, you know, obviously we saw the, the World Cup win uh, in 2000, was it 2018, wasn't it? Well, that's gone really quick, um, which we'll have a little chat about in a minute. Um, Kieran, um, I noticed that there was quite a, there's a, a bit of a lack of West Indian players in those hundred squads. Are you surprised by that, mate? Yeah, definitely. When you look at the names of the the players that the West Indies have produced and their performances over time in these leagues, you know, obviously you have the 
mainstream names, the Chris Gales, the Pollards, the Bravos, the Narines, the Russells, etc. But if you look at the next generation of players, um, the Purans, the Hetmeyers, the Kimo Pauls, Scherfing, Rutherford, um, I think they're just as exciting, if not more exciting, for the fact that they've got the template of how these guys have played and now they're, they're building on it. Um, so there, there are lots of guys in the Caribbean now that people don't know as um, brands yet, but they'll be brands in the future. Yeah, so I was going to ask you both about um, the, the kind of next generation of cricketers, uh, both in the West Indies and in England or in the UK. Because um, I am interested in, in that. I'm like fairly familiar still with cricket. Like I'm familiar with the, maybe the players who were kind of on the brink of maybe getting a call up for their international sides, but not so familiar with maybe some of those players on the domestic scene who were not quite up there yet. So I was interested if both of you guys had any uh, suggestions for me and the viewers to look out for on the domestic scene in the West Indies and in England, maybe in the Caribbean League. Uh, Kieran, so we'll start with you, mate. Yeah. Any young players? I'm a bit of a caveman. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not too up to date with, unless I've literally played against you. Um, but from, from those that I have seen, um, so let's start with the under 19 crop. I think that there's a, a fast bowler by the name of Sales from Trinidad. Okay. He looks like an exciting prospect. Um, I think, you know, obviously guys like Hetmeyer and those guys have already played international cricket and people are well aware of them. Um, but I think there's this one guy called Sherfin Rutherford from Guyana. That could be really good. Um, left-handed batsman. And there's young Casey Cardi from the Leeward Islands. Um, we're all hoping that, you know, he kicks on soon. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> there are lots more. But as I said, you know, I'm, I'm still wrapped up in my own bubble most mm-hmm. of the time. It's not a lack of talent. It's just a... Yeah, I know what you mean. Coming outside of my bubble. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much the same, I've got to be honest. Um, Nye, what about you, mate? Got any suggestions for uh, kind of young players on the UK team? Dan Lawrence, Essex. Um, he's in the thir- I think he's actually in the 30-man squad for the tests. Um, if you look at his stats over the last two years in county cricket, I think he scored over 1,000 runs both years, averages over 50 in all forms, and that's including one day in 2020. Wow. Um, if, if he doesn't get picked for one of these three tests, I'll be shocked. Um, and then the in end. terms of one day cricket, Tom Banton at Somerset. Oh, he's he's actually, my favorites, mate. He's really actually big fan. in the Welsh team. Yeah. He's in the Welsh just, fire. Literally, just as you said his name, I got down to the Welsh fire team as I was scrolling through. They're going to win it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> no, they got a really good side, though, mate. They've got Steve yeah. Smith, uh, Mitchell Stark, Tom Banton, uh, Ben Duckett, uh, Ravi Rampal, Kwai uh, Samaid, uh, a name which I cannot pronounce, but I recognise, uh, Liam Plunkett. Got some great names. Great, yeah. great team. Uh, obviously, got um, Colin Ingram. How does uh, Tom Banton count as a local icon for Wales Welsh Fire. That's what I want to know. Because it's combining Glamorgan, Somerset and Gloucester. Ah, and he plays for Somerset. There you go. Yeah. See? 
your knowledge there, mate. That's what you're here for. Ravi Rampal's a good signing for Welsh Fire as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, and I missed out Johnny Bairstow, of course, oh. as well. So, you know, even without Johnny Bairstow, they had a pretty good side. But I mean, yeah. any side which has got um, Tom Banton, Steve Smith, and Johnny Bairstow in a limited overs form is going to be, uh, you'd think, going to be up there uh, in terms of runs at least. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, let's, let's have a look. What have we got next on the docket? So before we go into the, the, the West Indies England series, which is upcoming, I wanted to talk to you, Key, about the, um, your little stint in America and your, 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 your venture into Major League Baseball. Um, so I guess for people who are not familiar with it, tell us, uh, you know, you were a West Indies international cricketer and then all of a sudden you announced that you were going to give baseball a try. Yeah, so basically what had happened is um, just like anyone who plays long enough for the West Indies, you ultimately run into some issues with the board. <laughs> um, but uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers had a scout that, got in contact with my wife, who's actually my agent, and um, said that they'd like to have me try out to play baseball because of the similarities between the two sports. And uh, it was quite an interesting opportunity, so I figured why not, why not take the chance? And um, ultimately they had me training in LA for a few months and then over in Sarasota in Florida where we had a workout there in front of like 15 or 16 major league teams. And then I actually had contract offers from a few teams as well. And okay. it's, it's ironic that um, the timing of it all, Phil Simmons had just become the West Indies coach for the first time. And he gave me a call and he said, you know, I can see that obviously things are getting pretty serious with you with baseball, but you know, um, things are, smooth on this end now like you won't have any worries you know and I'd like you to come back and, and play for the West Indies and obviously cricket being my first love um, there was never any hesitation in me in me going back so I guess that was pretty much long and the short of my whole so sojourn with the baseball Your decision to give baseball a try was um, if you'd not had any issues with you know with the with the board and off the field with the West Indies kind of governing bodies, or if you want to, whatever you want to say, um, would you do you think you still would have given baseball a try, or do you think because of those issues you were more inclined to go and give it a whirl? No, it's definitely because of those issues because there were lots of things going on um, behind the scenes that you know ultimately over time I'll be able to tell all of these stories um, obviously still being an active cricketer yeah, of course. and <laughs> still valuing the rest of the career that I have left I won't be able to give those details today but um, you can come back and tell them all <laughs> <laughs> no I understand that um, what about you Nye ever fancied a little bit of baseball which type of baseball American mm -hmm. baseball or the old baseball down the parks it depends oh, um Classic no, I can't UK. say. It. I can't. Football was my was my sport. Um, yeah. Loved playing football, um, and then it came to a decision at Millfield end of sixth form. I had to make a decision: play football, play cricket. Sadly, 
when you're contracted, you can't play another sport for insurance purposes. Um, I don't mind you playing five side in a week or things like that, but uh, yeah, I couldn't. So it was it was cricket, and it's always been my first love. But football's close second. Were you better? Were you better at football or cricket? I like hearing answer that one. Was he um, better better at football or cricket? Well, he took. Didn't you guys go to the national championships yeah, yeah. Um, football at cricket? Yeah, um, we, 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 yeah, we won. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you yeah. go. Talented boy. But you know what, Naira? It's surprising how many uh, people were decent at cricket, are decent at football. Mm. Like, even when I was playing, like, I used to play with Nick, uh, Nicky Robinson, and he was, you know, he played for Glamorgan uh, cricket, he played for Wales cricket, he played for Cardiff and Wales rugby, and same as his brother. I was all right at both, and there was, you know, there was a, a core throughout the side and the sides that we play in the county side, which were all kind of playing, you know, same level of football as well. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, you eventually you get a decision to make. And in my case, you choose the wrong thing, completely, <laughs> completely cock it up. <laughs> and then realize in your mid 20s, I probably should have done that. But there we go. It's where it's where it is. But um, okay, so we'll get on to the the England West Indies series in just a second. But uh, a couple of little questions for you both, uh, Nairon. Who is the best player that you've ever played with, apart from myself? Um, yeah, you're a close second on this one, Sai. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, Um Best player I played with, um, Sean Marsh. What about you, uh, Kieran? Shivnar uh, Shandipal. What a player. Yeah. One of my favourite batsmen. I just, I like the fact, you, I remember when he first came on the scene when he was like 19 against England and he would just bat for like three days and they just couldn't get him out. It was almost like after the first hour of bowling to him, they'd give it a real good go. And then after that hour, they'd kind of just split the field and go, right, well, he's settling in for a couple of days now. But, um, yeah, he's... Uh, what about most underrated cricketers? Uh, maybe overall, but also who you've played with. Uh, Kieran, we'll go with you first, mate. Uh, underrated cricketers. I think maybe Marlon Samuels. Not bad shot at all. What about you, uh, Nyron? Played with. Um, Jim Allenby was a very good cricketer. Quite underrated. Had a good county career. Um, in terms of world cricket, um, I think Ross Taylor doesn't get the credit he deserves for New Zealand. Um, I agree. And probably, probably, as a bowling point of view, Neil Wagner from New Zealand. Um, the fact that he runs in and bowls six short balls every over, he's not exactly 90 mile an hour either, but he's taken 250 test wickets. So, he must be doing something, right? Yeah, can't knock that. Um, and uh, last of these little questions, who is the greatest of all time for England and West Indies? Uh, Nyron, you go first. England? Uh, James Anderson, um, West Indies, 
Viv Richards or Brian Lara. And uh, Kieran? Ooh. England, I'm going to have to go Alistair Cook. Shout. And West Indies, I'm going to have to go three. Three going to be Gary Sobers, obviously. Potentially the best cricketer ever. Um, Viv Richards for entertainment purposes. And Brian Lara for being able to do things that no other human being has been able to do before or after. I will never forget that um, that 501 not out uh, was just insane. And it was, re- it was quite close after he'd scored the, the record test score as well, wasn't it? He scored 375. It was, it was like a month, a month after yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, was, what, was it against Glamorgan, Mitch? No, uh, it was against Durham. There's, um, God for that. there's a guy who does level three coaching assessors and he's the wiki keeper who dropped him on nine. And uh, I don't think he's ever let it down. <laughs> Can you imagine? I know. As a wicket, as a former wicket keeper, I gotta say that's like what the nightmares are made of. Yeah. But but like to a whole new level, isn't it? It's like there's one thing. Ninety later. <laughs> there's one thing dropping someone on nine, and them scoring a hundred. There's another thing batting for three four days, scoring five hundred and one, <laughs> and you still can't get him out. Jesus. Um. Right. So to finish this up, we're gonna we're gonna preview the the West Indies and England series, which starts in a couple of weeks, in detail, because we're professionals. But uh, first of all, I wanted to talk to you two about a couple of things, uh, specifically uh, Ben Stokes. Looks looks like he's going to be captain of England in Root's, uh, Joe Root's absence because he's having a baby. Those misses is. Um, should Ben Stokes be captain? And if not, who should be? And Kieran, let's start with you. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm not sure that because of the the demands on Ben Stokes already, but he doesn't he doesn't necessarily bowl as much now, does he? He's more of an impact bowler. Um, but when he does bowl, he pretty much bowls 15 over spells. Um, which is interesting. So I'm not sure. I think that's a, a problem England have been having for the past few seasons because I think before that New Zealand tour, they pretty much wanted to take it away from Jeru, but they didn't, in their estimation, have viable candidates. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, Josh Butler being the ODI voice captain, if he's in the test team, is, is clearly an option. Um, but given that it's just a one-off thing, uh, I don't think that it necessarily hurt for Ben Stokes to do one test match. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the similar kind of boat on it. I think if it was for a, the whole series or a, a long-term appointment, then I wouldn't give it to Ben Stokes. Um, history tells us with English all-rounders, even the best ones, they don't always do, or even giving it to our best players doesn't always work out. And I mean, arguably, you could say that Joe Root has suffered under the captaincy with his own form. Um, you know, Ian Botham didn't, uh, didn't do great as captain. Um, arguably one of England's best, you know, best, best players of all time. Um, for me, I like Josh Butler as a captain. Um, I, always, I think he should play in the test side. Um, I think he should be 
England's Adam Gilchrist, basically, whereby when teams think they're through the English batting order, he can take the game away from them in an hour. He, you know, he just needs that initial period to get in. Um, and I think that's what they should have been doing for the last couple of years. He's gonna, sometimes he's going to get out early, but you know if he stays in for an hour or so, he's going you know, to score 50 to 100 runs. And he, that can change the test match. Um, and I think he's young and innovative in his thinking, his field placings, which, you know, Ben Stokes would be as well. Um, but I do like Josh Butler's all-round approach to cricket. He's aggressive. Um, what about you, Naira? And uh, what do you, where do you stand on this? I think he's done so well for England without the captaincy. Why burden him with that? Yeah. Um, He's England's best all-rounder at the moment, potentially best player. Um, I don't think he needs that other pressure. I don't think that necessarily means he couldn't deal with it, but I don't think they should rock the boat and give him that additional pressure. Um, Joss, for me, would be an outstanding candidate. But the one that no one speaks about, and I think should get a go, is Moen Ali. Um, he captained Worcester to T20 Blast final, and they won it. Um, He's definitely worth his spot in the team. Obviously, at the moment, he had that break where he's coming back. Um, but we spoke about having role models in the, the black and ethnic minority community. If he's captain of England and he's a member of that community, I think that would do wonders for the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on that side of it. Um, now, one thing I slightly disagree with, um, I'm not entirely sure that Mo and Ali is going to be someone who plays every game. And I think by making him captain, he makes him very difficult to drop, which yeah. is an issue. You need your captain to be someone who's going to, you know, going to be 100% in the side unless they're injured. Um, yeah. And I don't know whether Moen falls into that category. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Because, you know, he did have that severe drop in form uh, where his bowling wasn't great and his batting wasn't great. And, you know, yeah, but then saying that he had a break, he came back and he did look uh, refreshed, particularly in the one day side of it. He looked really, uh, he looked up for it. He looked game and he just looked like he had the old Moen Ali. Um, it's certainly a shout mate because he did very, like you say, at county level, he did very well as captain. Um, and then... Arguably, in this series, which starts now, you've got um, two of the best all-rounders in the world uh, in Ben Stokes and uh, Ed Holder. Um, who is the better all-rounder, Kieran? Uh, I think you have to go Jason Holder. Just looking at stats, he's the number one test all-rounder in the world. Um, ben Stokes is probably a more high-leverage player in terms of high impact situations but if you're looking at all around performances I think um, they're both probably par in terms of fielding Jason's definitely a better bowler than Ben Stokes um, Ben Stokes is probably a better batsman than Jason but not by far so I think the, the, both of them have played pretty much the same amount of matches as well so so we go I'm slightly, slightly less familiar with Jason Holder. Like I've seen him play a bit, but not as familiar as I am with Ben Stokes. Obviously, um, does he have as many uh, kind of game-changing performances? Like obviously, over the last couple of years, 
in all forms of the game. We've seen Ben Stokes completely uh, change, save, win games for England at various points. Does Jason Holder do the same sort of thing? Um, across test matches, um, more so with the ball than with the bat. Um, but he does have that double century against England on that last tour to the Caribbean. Um, I think if you're going overall, all-rounder, across formats, I still think Ben Stokes will get pipped by um, Shaki Balasan, who's currently banned. Um, but I think Ben Stokes is probably the second best overall in terms of across farm formats um, all around in the world. I think in terms of test cricket, I'll give it to Jason Holder. In okay. T20 cricket, it's hard to find anyone that replaces what Andre Russell does bowling at 90 miles an hour and scoring 80 off 30 balls. Um, and then in one-day cricket, Ben Stokes and Shaki Balasana are pretty much far. So. About you and Knight, what do you think? I looked. I had a look at the stats earlier. I think in terms of Test cricket batting, Ben Stokes he scored. I think nine hundreds. Um, again, we don't. It's tough for us because we see a lot of Ben Stokes. We don't see a lot of Jason Holder. Um, but as Kieran said, they played close enough the same matches. I think Stokes averages thirty six, Holder thirty three or thirty four. Um, so it's not much in it, and the wickets are a give or take three either way. So. It'd be a very interesting battle this series, I think, between those two. Yeah, it's, um, it's Jason Holder, quite an aggressive player as well when he's bowling, uh, Kieran. Oh. Well, I don't think he could be an aggressive bowler. I mean, he's not necessarily quick enough to be as aggressive as... No, I mean, but in his, in his mentality, you know, is he quite feisty? Well, he's always looking to get wickets, you know. Um, as as you have to these days, you can't be looking to just sit in and bowl long spells or, you know, the days become longer than necessarily you'd need them to. But I think he's always looking to get wickets, which is good. Yes, indeed. Um, so, the West Indies uh, squad, obviously, like we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, there was three players and quite important players as well, I think, uh, who didn't come with them, but that gives opportunities to someone else. Uh, so the three, it was Darren Bravo, uh, Shimron Hetmeyer, and Kimo Paul, uh, who declined the invitation to, to join the tour. Would they have been in the starting 11, uh, do you think, Kieran? Uh, two out of the three, Kimo Paul would have been touch and go. If he didn't play all three matches, he would have played at some point, but um, Dan Brother and Hetmeyer for sure would have started the series, so um, I think it's it's a big loss, but where there's a big loss, there's a big opportunity for the guys that have come into the squad as well. Um, Jermaine Blackwood has done really well in domestic cricket this season, and he's got selected, so I think that's, that's a great what, opportunity for him. But that's what you want to see, isn't it? Is When these players of all countries perform in domestic cricket, is you want to see them get given a chance at the international level. And um, that's what I've been sometimes critical of the England selectors for uh, over the last sort of five years or so, is sometimes they don't give those opportunities to those players who are in form when they're in form. And then by the time they come in, they're going through a bad spell or they're, you know, they're not as hot as they were. I mean, arguably you could, Tom Banton, they waited, I think, a little bit too long uh, before they called him up. 
Um, what about you, Nye? Would you agree with that kind of point of view that England sometimes wait a bit too long to, to call in the form players? I think it, it depends on how the national team are doing. Um, if the national team are winning, like they have been in, in one-day cricket, it's pretty hard to tap Joe Root on the back at number three, who averages 48, and say, sorry, mate, we're picking Tom Banton, who's played yeah, for Somerset. Um, yes, they are deaf. there have been instances in the past where they wait too long, um, and they probably might even be moving forward. I think if Joe Root misses the first game, I think it's a great opportunity for Dan Lawrence to play. Um, where he bats, whether that's four or five, is, is again, a contentious issue. But, yeah, I mean, opportunity, Kieran said, people not playing for whatever reason creates big opportunities for people. Yeah, so here's a question for you then, mate. If Joe Root wasn't captain, mm. would they have dropped him at any point in the last couple of years? Uh, well, it, again, it would depend on situation who who yeah who would they recall up um no i'm gonna say no they're stuck with him in your opinion with that yeah. um kieran so the the west indies squad for the for this england series is uh jermaine blackwood uh bonner uh craig braithwaite uh Sh- shamar sorry shamra brooks john campbell uh roston chase rakeem cornwall uh shane Daw- dawich uh, Chima Holder, Jason Holder, uh, Shy Hope, Alziri Joseph, uh, Raymond Reifer, or Reifer, I apologise, and uh, Kimar Roach. Um, for people who are maybe not familiar with some of those names, who should we be looking out for for big performances? Uh, Raheem Cornwall, definitely. Um, we play, we play for the um, same regional team. Okay. Um, I think that if if the pitches offer just the slightest bit of turn. He'll be a very difficult bowler for the English batsman to face and because of the pace, the height that he has um, and the skill that he has with the ball, I think it'd be extremely interesting com- um, competition between bat and ball. Um, he's only into, I think, maybe his third test match, um, but he's, he's got 250-something first-class wickets in just like 50 matches or something. So. He's, he's not averse to taking wickets, you know. Mm. Um, I think Alzawi Joseph, again, another guy that I play for the same regional team as. Um, he's really matured over the last year, year and a half, you know. Um, I think you're starting to see those performances more consistently in one-day cricket. Um, for whatever reason, he hasn't really played as many test matches as I thought he has or should have. Um, but hopefully he gets an opportunity in this tour because the pitches will be fresh as well. And there's not been any cricket played for the summer. So I think batting is going to be extremely hard work because the pitches are going to be fresh and they're going to be hard as well with all the sunshine that the UK has had. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be extremely interesting. Would you expect um, Rakeem Cornwall to play all tests, all three of them? Uh well, from all reports, the, the pitch, the practice surfaces that they've played on in Manchester so far have offered spin. Um, as I said, just because of the nature of, of the time of the year, the weather. Um, so if, if that's the trend throughout the country, then I think Southampton is known to be somewhat of a spinner's, spinner's deck as well. Am I right now? Yeah, uh, but Old Trafford will turn a lot 
because if it gets dry, it gets looks like concrete, and they turned the square around not so long ago. So I'd say he'll play he'll play at Old Trafford. Maybe not the first test at Rose Bowl. Since they um, turned the square at Old Trafford, it's taken uh, more spin, haven't it? And it's been it's, yeah. the pitch is a lot harder. Yeah. Keenan, um, the other guy, uh, Jermaine Blackwood, he made a really impressive start to his career in their test career, but um, he struggled the last couple of years to really cement him, cement himself in terms of runs. Um, but you know, he's shown that he's perfect. You know, he's really capable of putting together an innings. Um, is he someone who maybe is under a bit of pressure? Um, well, I think coming back into the team, he won't necessarily he, he won't necessarily be under pressure. You know, um, I think that pressure should be absorbed by the guys that have been playing for the past two or three years. Um, yeah, someone like Blackwood coming back into the team off of a good domestic season should be allowed, you know, a bit more leeway to, yeah. to go and express himself. Um, obviously, he's done a lot. To be reselected, um, I think he said that he's he's upped his training regime, and it's obviously paid dividends to the types of performances he's had last season. Um, he got a double century against us, which was quite quite a long few days in the field for for me. But um, hopefully, he can do the same. Um, obviously, if he doesn't get a double century, hopefully, he can get some runs under his belt this season, and you know, push on from there because he's he's a good player. Yeah, apparently he's going to bat in the middle order as well, rather than um, than higher up, um, which is obviously a bit slightly different to where he started his test career for the West Indies. Um, now, apart from uh, potentially seeing Lawrence for England, who are you looking forward to to seeing from the English point of view? Um, I'd like to see Matt Parkinson play, uh, leg spinner from Lancashire. Um, any former leg spinner for me is exciting. Yeah, always um, I think he toured New Zealand and South Africa in the winter, uh, but didn't play. Um, for me, if you've got a good leg spinner in your team, it's worth his weight in gold. Um, and he has done really well at domestic cricket over the last four or five seasons. So if they can slot him in there somewhere, um, that would that would be definitely exciting to watch. Yeah, that's the one thing England have lacked, isn't it? Is that um, having a, a genuinely world-class leg spinner um, you feel like that would be. I thought, um, you know, I thought at one point Rashid might be it, but he's just that little bit too expensive for um, for Test cricket, unfortunately, because he gets a lot of turn. He's very clever bowler. He's um, you know he's quite tricky to face, but at Test level, you've got to be so accurate and so um, what's the word like so conservative in the runs you concede. And I think he had a nightmare, didn't he, in that last test he played. And they've, they've not picked him since. Which, in some ways, I feel sorry for him because they got after him a little bit. And, you know, you're going to get that, especially as a spinner, mate, as you know. But, yeah, yeah I, um, I do like Rashid. I like the way he plays his cricket as well. But I don't think he's the guy for England going forward from a leg spin point of view. Um, who would you pick as uh, the wicketkeeper for England, mate? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, ben Fox is so good, and he is. Um, he's the be- he's the best keeper, and I have to say, if you look at his record batting when he's played for England, it's phenomenal. Um, he's very very good batsman. Oh, I, I I I can see the argument for picking all three. Um, 
in the team. Who has the gloves? I would give it to folks. But I think you could make room for two, if not all three in the team. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Because they're, they're also good with the bat. Like for me, personally, um, the f- Joss Butler is one of the first names on the team sheet for me. Is Joss Butler in the squad? I think, yeah. Yeah, he is, isn't he? I thought he was. Yeah. Just for a second, I thought he wasn't. Um, Joss Butler would be first name on the team sheet for me after Joe Root. Um, it just, I think that what he offers both mentally for the team as, a, as an individual is second to none. Bairstow, if he can rekindle that form from a couple of years ago, is obviously good enough to be a, you know, he's a world-class batsman. Uh, and Ben Folks has shown he's got ability and he's a very good keeper. So why wouldn't you try and fit all three in? But then it's like, who'd you drop? Um, which is the, is the thing. You know. uh, Mason Crane, Saqib uh, Mahmood, what, uh, what's your views on, uh, on him, mate? quite a quick skiddy reverse swing bowler um, and he is quick as well looking at domestic games he's clocked at 90 mile an hour so um, and you think, I think he's only 24 25 so that's quite exciting for England if they can get him fit and firing uh, he toured in the winter as well so he's another one to watch out for I'd say but England's seam bowling is pretty strong as yes. I'm sure Kieran would back up yeah Kieran, do you think, um, obviously, Jimmy Anderson coming, you'd think, to the end of his career, um, Stuart, Stuart, uh, Stuart Broad's not getting any younger. Um, England need to be looking to the future from their the seam bowler's point of view? Well, I think that's already sort of taken care of itself, hasn't it? Because you've got Jimmy and Stuart Broad, but then you've got Jofra and Mark Wood, um, as first change bowlers as well. Don't forget, Ben Stokes is as good a bowler as any of them when, when he does bowl. Um, you have Chris Wilkes as well. Um, so it's just, it's just to continue to build the pool because you, you still have three out of five guys. Obviously, to replace a thousand test wickets is not going to be an easy feat. No. But you've got, you've got two guys learning under them in Mark Wood and Jofra Archer at the moment. Um, will obviously become your senior bowlers and then you can add someone along with Chris Rooks and Ben Stokes and that's still a very good bowling attack. And then you just, as you said, guys like Sakib Mumur and all the others, you know, just start building that pool and whoever takes the opportunity will become part of that four or five man attack. Yeah, it's funny enough, I think um, Chris, what we said, we were talking about uh, underrated players. I think Chris Wilkes is vastly yeah. underrated. I think he's a fantastic bowler. He's been so good for England um, over the last few years. Um, it's a shame because I feel if they could keep Mark Wood fit, I think he could potentially be one of the best bowlers in the world. But he just doesn't seem to be able to string together, you know, like a series without missing a game or two. And it's unfortunate because it, I don't think it's anything necessarily which he does. It just seems to be his body suffers with his injuries. Um, and I, he, he bowls so quick uh, off, off like what seems like no effort and no run-up, um, which always kind of baffles me a bit. Um, okay. Nyron, who's going to win the Test Series between England and uh, West Indies? 
say one all draw sit on the fence <laughs> don't get any splinters there mate no i know <laughs> well uh, what about you kieran what do you fancy i think i got the splinter because i'm thinking one all as well <laughs> oh my gosh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, one all. No, oh, nice. <laughs> I'll. Uh, I think. I think England might sneak it. I'm gonna go two one England because I don't think we'll lose any to rain. So I'm gonna mm. go for a uh, two one. Um, are they doing a one day series as well, or is it just three tests? Forget. I'm not oh, too three sure. tests. I think you've got Pakistan yeah. coming right after as well. So I think it's just three tests. Yeah. But whether yeah. Pakistan come or not is another issue now. Yeah, well, they've got players that have tested positive for COVID now, haven't they? So. Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, in the UK, they, um, like, up until I think it was like three weeks ago, they weren't testing people who were coming off, like, flying mm. in to the UK. So I don't think, from a UK government point of view, they will stop, you know, the team coming because players have tested positive. Oh my gosh, they've updated that story. Uh, and it's now 10 players have been tested. That's not happening. No. Um, so they're supposed to be coming, what are we, they're like the end of, they're supposed to be leaving uh, next week, by the looks of it, to come over. Um, uh, yeah, they're never going to go ahead with that test. Or if they do, it's ridiculous, I've got to say. To have you know, 10 players is uh, a lot, isn't it? That's unfortunate. Um, I'd like to think maybe they'd extend the West Indies series to make up for it, but you know, I just don't. You just don't know, do you? Um, <clears throat> okay. I think uh, I think that's uh, everything we were going to cover. Let's have a quick. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to discuss before we wrap up? No, I think so. All good. Um, Kieran, I, that's what I was going to ask you. What? Um, so, what are you up to at the moment? Like, where are you playing at the moment? What's your plans? Um, so, I wasn't able to get back to the UK. Um, so, my wife is not too happy um, with all this lockdown stuff. But I've I've just been doing some um, physical training. Obviously, this has been like the best time for any athlete to improve your fitness because um, there's not much else that you can do in this time. Um, so I'm up to running 6.6Ks every morning now, every weekday, um, which is quite a steady improvement from what I used to do. So hopefully at the end of the lockdown, I'm trying to aim to be up to 10K per day. Um, so really fit. I've lost 35 pounds in the last two months. Um, wow. I've found a six-pack, which I only thought I could get in beers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it at the moment in terms of my, my overall health and well-being. So I'm looking cool. forward to getting back out playing as well. So we'll see how that goes. Where, um, who are you playing for at the moment? Uh, well, no one. There's no cricket on. But um, my regional team, the Leeward Islands Hurricanes, um, obviously made the most runs in all of domestic cricket in the Caribbean last season. Obviously feeling a bit unfortunate not to have been selected in a 30-man squad to tour England, but... Yeah, it was, uh, that's what, that was my next question, is were you disappointed not to score that many runs and then not get into the 30-man squad? Was that disappointing? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit baffling to me because um, the guy that took the most wickets, or the guys that took the most wickets didn't get selected as well, which is... Um, 
puzzling. So it's, like it's what, more, what more can you do? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's, it's definitely, um, it's, let's just say performance isn't all that matters, I guess. Or it's not a, a major priority for selection these days. It's baffling. I don't want to push you on it because I don't want to get you into any trouble. But uh, <laughs> we'll discuss at a, at a later date, shall we say. Um, now you're obviously you're getting ready for the mighty Bluebirds push towards the playoffs. Well, it started well on Sunday with a good win against Leeds, I have to say. Unexpected um, win that was, mate. That's what it I was. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to have to go on the championship show on Friday and then yep. <laughs> moan for 45 minutes about how devastatingly bad Cardiff and Middlesbrough are. But uh, no, it was a good start. It was. Don't know, don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but we'll see. Um, and try. Yeah, so guys, we'd have a live football show every Monday. It's the Andy Campbell Football Show, where myself and former Middlesbrough and Cardiff City legend, Mr. Andy Campbell, uh, we have a different football guest each Monday, 7.30. So uh, this past Monday, we had former Liverpool, uh, Stoke, uh, Scotland International, and current Reading midfielder, Charlie Adam. Uh, we've also had recently, we've had, uh, we've had Clayton Blackmore, we had uh, Stuart Downing, who plays currently for Blackburn. Used yeah. to play for Liverpool, Middlesbrough. Lots of different ones. Uh, who else have we had? Daniel Garadon, Robert Earnshaw. Uh, next week, we've got a couple of uh, very good ones. And we've also got our second live football show launching. Uh, so when this goes out, it was two days ago, last Friday. Every Friday, 7pm, we're talking the championship overall uh, for 45 minutes of uh, championship talk and some little interviews with uh, with some players along the way. Uh, so join us for that. And of course, we've got MMA and boxing shows and uh, some top, top guests coming. And um, we'll be doing a another cricket show very soon. Uh, Going to try and sort out some guests. I'm sure Nye will be back at some point as well. And I, hopefully, I would like to think that Kieran will be back as well at some point. Um, Guys, thank you for joining me, Surely. Kieran. No it's been awesome, mate. Thank you. Once we got, uh, once we jumped on Zoom, I don't know what was going on with my software. Was, <laughs> didn't like Nye at all. <laughs> no one does, mate. Uh, well, I miss his HP. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Nye, I appreciate you, uh, appreciate your time, mate, and I appreciate no your patience, guys, as well. Uh, same for you, Keith. Cheers, guys. And, no worries. Uh, guys, Cheers. Subscribe, subscribe to youtubecom nation and uh, follow facebook.com slash acecastnation for all the latest news and guests and shows and uh, we'll see you next week Network.